0: Welcome to The Amputee Show. I'm your host, Aristotle Domingo, and joining me today is internationally recognized pole dancer taking home not only gold at the International Pole Sports Federation in 2020, but also awarded Male Athlete of the Year out of the 28 countries in both able and disabled competitors. Andrew Gregory, welcome to the show, Andrew, and thank you for being here. Oh, hi there. It's absolutely my pleasure. My pleasure. Awesome. Well, so let's start with a bit of a, uh, a bit of background about yourself uh, for our listeners. Can you perhaps share with us your experience with limb loss? Yeah, so my uh,
1: experience with limb loss is actually fairly recent. Um, I had my amputation done through my choice uh, three and a half years ago, and it was following uh, a motorcycle accident, which was many years earlier. It was like 17 years earlier um and the injuries to my lower left leg were pretty catastrophic but it was enough to kind of save and through many 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 surgeries um they kind of saved my leg but actually it left me with a lot of limitations I was in a lot of pain and over the years uh, the injuries kind of deteriorated so my pain levels increased I was having to use a walking stick more um and at the time I wasn't hugely active, although I, I work as a hairdresser, so I'm on my feet all the time, but I wasn't moving around a lot. So it was kind of okay. But then I discovered pole and pole sports. And I was finding that the more I did, the more painful my leg was getting. Um, and I kind of went to see the surgeons to see if there was anything else that they could do. Uh, and there was really, two options which is either to have the whole leg remodeled using one of those cages external fixations uh, but there was no guarantee that that was going to work and I would probably have to wait for two or three years which there's (laughs) no way I could go through two or three years of having that on my leg Um, and the other alternative was amputation and it seemed like a no-brainer to me so I planned the amputation I was really lucky that I could choose the date that I had it done. It meant I could fit it around my training, my work, and organise my life. Um, And also the recovery from an elective amputation is very different from a traumatic amputation. So I knew that I needed to clear my diary for a few weeks. But beyond that, I could get back on with things. Um, And... The amputation went super well. I was super happy with it immediately. I woke up from that operation feeling so happy. Um, and in fact, I was back training in the studio 11 days after my amputation, I was back on the pole. The stitches were still in my leg, but I needed to get moving. I needed to get moving. Um, so for me, it was a hugely positive experience, um, but I understand that's not the case for everybody. Um, obviously the way my point of view is purely from an elective amputation point of view. Um, I had fitting the prosthetic was quite difficult for me. I do have a slight little bony knuckle on my stump, which, you know, everyone's leg, everyone's residual limb is different. Some people have a very straightforward fit. I don't have a straightforward fit. Um, so it's taken a while to get the fit correct. But now the fit is correct. It's absolutely amazing. So I literally put my leg on in the morning and I take it off at the end of the day. There's no um, periods where I need to kind of rest it uh, or anything like that. So, yeah, it's great. And we're very lucky here in the UK with our National Health Service. um, that I can book an appointment. I go. I get fitted. And I don't have to pay for any of that. Um, although I have privately funded mm. legs as well, because obviously, I, I mean, not obviously, I, I am the kind of person that isn't just happy with one, <laughs> with one leg. I wanna, Don't we all? Yeah, exactly. I, I want to wake up in the morning and think, mm. what do I fancy wearing today? Um, so <laughs> uh, so I'm, I'm lucky that I'm in a position where I can self-fund. Uh, so I have a, a, a limb from the NHS. Which is an amazing sports foot but it's one that you wear a shoe with and then on top of that i have two different blades um and also i'm really lucky that all of my feet and sockets are interchangeable so they all fit each other so i can also choose which socket i wear with which foot as well so i'm like i have this like great choice for things um, that is awesome yeah i love it i love it i love it i love it i mean i mean i know it's very lucky i fit and i know it breaks my heart when i see people especially uh in america uh it still surprises me that people don't necessarily have the access to the limbs that they need even a basic everyday limb unless they have good health insurance and it seems crazy to me that um America is like that. Are you? Do you have the same thing? You have so we, yeah.
0: So for us, there's actually a lot of similarities, uh, which I want to pick up on. Um, but to quickly answer that question for you, so the NHS, we have a similar system in Canada, of course, adopted from the NHS, being Canadian. Uh, so we have that in common in that you know we can have surgeries and we can do all you know any medical healthcare need. We need emergency elective or not. And some elective, of course, are not covered under our, our provincial coverage or our national coverage. But my amputation was covered and it was elective as well. And now, you know, similar to your story, I've gone through 15 years of struggling between surgeries and trying to fix my leg and trying to salvage it. And, but to your point, I was more limited and I've really found myself to be more disabled having the two lives now, pre-amputation, post-amputation. I I always say. I love how you say that. I
1: feel less. I'm less disabled now than I did beforehand. Absolutely, even obviously, the minute you take, the minute I take my prosthetic off, obviously I've got to hop or crawl. But actually, I don't feel disabled doing that, you know. So yeah, I really—that's a really interesting thing to hear somebody else to say exactly the same thing.
0: Right. Well, yeah. No, I was. know they said oh he's never gonna walk again because of what happened with both my legs and then I wore leg braces so similar to being an amputee if I take my leg braces off I've got nothing to stand up with right because my ankles don't work my feet don't work literally anything below my knees didn't work before my amputation. and so but what came with that was a lot of pain and a lot of dealing with other health issues because I was not active enough so I wasn't I wasn't walking as much because of the pain or i will have infections on my feet or my wounds that then i would be down in hospital for 10 days trying to recover you know recover sure. and then you get into the isolation and depression and all of that and mental health issues yeah. you, you can't do stuff yeah. but now becoming an amputee to your point about going back to the poll immediately I did the same thing. Like, I'm not Paul, but I went into athletics right away. I went into straight running I right away. I mean, I
1: followed, I, I followed your journey. from. I mean, uh, you, you'd you already had one amputation when I came across right. you. And then I saw you go through your second amputation. Yeah. I cannot believe how quickly you were running after that second amputation. And it was like, I'm glad it's not just me that pushes those things. Right. Um, it's like, when it's right, it's right. And you know you can push yourself and get on with it. I didn't want to sit around um, and wait for everything to heal. I needed to get on with life
0: and I knew it would heal on its own. Right. And so I was the same way. My drive was already still in bed after surgery the next day, literally, like, like, what do I do now? Right. In my second amputation, by the third day, they're like, do you want to stand? And I'm like, absolutely, I want to stand now. It's fine. Like, you know, and so again, it's that drive, I think, that motivation. And, you know, to what I was saying before, it's like, uh, for me, I'm more able now because I can do the things I want without having to cry in pain or, yeah. you know, yeah, or yeah. and now I'm, I feel healthier in that because of all the activities I'm doing, my body is physically much healthier than what it yeah. was when yeah. I had both my legs. And so yeah. it's, you know, it's an interesting way of looking at things. And people always look at me funny going, how do you say that? Like, why do you say that before yeah. your you're you're more disabled or you yeah. felt like you're more disabled or you were disabled when you had your legs? I'm like. That's just the way it worked out for me. I don't know how else to explain that. And it's like, I'm much happier and mentally in my space that I want to be in yeah. than when I was back when I had my legs, and people couldn't understand that. And so, well, so it's it good makes to make sure that story,
1: I, I love to hear that from another amputee because I do understand that not every amputee has the same story. Yeah. Um, but it's really nice to hear that somebody else has had a similar experience to
0: me, you know? yeah no that's yeah and then again the 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 similar treatments of the nhs i do also am privileged i guess or i'm lucky in that i have like benefits that would allow me to to get the different sockets and to get the different feet um but but in canada um my province where i am we do have coverage on some feet uh not the high-end feet like my running blades like i I personally fund those or funded through my sports programs and all of that but yeah. You know, your everyday foot could be covered by, by, um, by the provincial health system. So there is a bit of of give on that. Um, and of yeah. course, we always advocate for more coverage, which I'm sure. Yeah, I course. mean, the NHS just covered um, microprocessor knees like a year or two ago that now they're covering, right? So yeah. there's exactly. obviously more things that could be done, of course. And so, yeah. but we're still, to your point, though, in comparison to the United States, to America, it's like I think we have it. You know a little bit better in in that in that way that we could get some sort of support from the government for our um for our prosthesis um yeah. so that's that's great to hear um yeah and similar similar when i was you know when i started following you i'm like and and i love dance um and so when when i see you doing those those lines and you know I'm always in awe, I'm like, that is so much core work. <laughs> <than> yeah, <laughs> I'm like,
1: yeah. I tell you, pole is a lot of core work, and it's really great. I mean, now, as uh, as well as competing, um, I also teach now as well, um, and I still love those moments when people come for the first time, and they think, oh, this is going to be a walk in the park. I'm going to be able to, like, flip upside down. I'm going to be able to and they literally take hold of the pole, and they collapse to the floor, and it's like, oh okay this is a lot harder (laughs) you know it it uses so many muscles in your body that you don't use for anything else and you don't know how to engage those muscles because you would never use them in the same way um so yeah it it, it's it's an incredible amount of strength with pole especially to make it look kind of graceful and effortless takes a lot of hard work and a lot of training but i kind of love that i love that but also, right. I love, like you were saying about my lines, I kind of, I, I, I perform generally without my prosthetic on. Um, I find actually my prosthetic gets in the way a little bit. The liner means I can't grip the pole with my knee. Um, and I like to use my um, residual limb. Oh, do you know I'd much prefer to call it a stump. I don't know. Go for can it. You, yeah. Can, okay. I, I, yeah. It's like, I'm trying to be politically correct, and it's like I hate that word residual. <laughs> it's like I've got a stump, and I'm really proud of it. Okay. Right. So I, on I the like word, you're good. My, okay. Cool. So I like to use my stump to to grip the pole. So I perform um, without it on, but I also like the shapes that that makes. I create these kind of shapes that nobody else, right? Well, unless you've got another amputee. Which there are other amputee polars, but I
0: like the shapes that I make that nobody else can make. Right. No. So I was let's let's get into actually how you got started. So you were saying before that you were sort of in pole and before your amputation. Yeah. So you picked it up before way before the amputation then. So how did you get not started? Not way before,
1: not way before. So oh. um I I had been looking for uh some exercise I could do with my leg. The way it was before the amputation. And uh, sorry, it's a bit of a story here. <laughs> uh, go for it. I came across uh, an exercise class called Anti Gravity Yoga, which is a licensed fitness class and it's kind of yoga, but you're using an aerial hammock that kind of supports you and lets you go upside down. So it meant that I was taking the pressure off my leg and it was perfect. So I actually did this for like two years. And the studio that I did it in also taught pole. Um, But I didn't think, I thought my leg would get in the way. I always thought pole looked amazing, but I thought my leg would be too much of an issue. And then one day a new teacher arrived, um, a girl called Deb Roach, Australian girl who has Mm. uh, a missing arm and she was teaching pole and it was suddenly like, oh, okay. If she can do this, then, you know, I definitely can give it a go. So I gave it a go and was literally hooked from day one. I, I ended up doing five hours on my first day and left the studio with blisters on my hands. But it was amazing. And so this was two years. So I, I did pole for two years before my amputation. Um, so I definitely had the experience of, like, how to do stuff with my leg and then i had to relearn without my leg um but i never competed before the amputation so it's like the 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 pole sports competitions came after uh, the amputation um but i don't know if you follow deb roach do you, do you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah 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 yeah
0: i mean my god that girl is absolutely well i was gonna, know, gonna say gonna with, with the, with the one arm, arm. Yeah, yeah with the one arm as well so it's just like wait i'm like i have two arms and i need to grip that pole not that i've not attempted and it's not for me i'm like nope (laughs) (laughs) you know she
1: really she really made me realize about limitations and the limitations that we put on ourselves and sometimes you've just got to try something and yeah it's it was definitely challenging. In fact, it was more challenging with my leg the way that it was before my amputation than it is now. Um, mainly because the pain levels were quite intense.
0: <laughs> well, right. And as I'm just thinking from, um, you know, from uh, physiological way and also psychologically, I suppose, when you have your leg there, you still have that vision of somehow it will support you, although you don't. You can't. it can't really fall weight of you should you be falling or should you need to push off of it is kind of what I was thinking, right? Whereas if now that you know mentally and physically it is not there, you have much more control of balance and maybe not seek see it visually there. You're like, I know it's not going to be there for me to land on, so I'm more secure on my other leg because I trust that leg better now that that's, I can push off so of that. That's so true.
1: Although my, um, my stump is actually, I've been working hard to strengthen the the uh the hold of my stump on the pole so in fact it can i've been working on a move where i am supported completely by my stump uh which is takes why it's taken me a long time to achieve but it's it's things that you can do my biggest problem is i say it's a problem so I, i i do a lot of flips off the pole onto the ground and that was a big barrier mentally for me to land on one foot. And it's like, if you land on that foot badly and you damage it, it's so it took me a long time to get over those barriers. Um, I've got some amazing teachers who kind of push me. They know how to push me and they know how to push me in a safe way. Um, So yeah, sometimes it works for me. Sometimes it works against me because my brain wants to protect my stump. Right. So it's like, sometimes I'm a little bit, you know. But also there has been times where, this i don't know if you've had this happen to you um i mean it won't happen to you with both legs amputated but uh, there's been times where i've been teaching and given a demonstration i've taken my leg off to do the demonstration i come back down to the ground and forget that i've taken my leg off for the demonstration and i let go of the pole and that feeling that sickening feeling of the floor just not being there. It's just not there. And you go straight down on the end of yourself. It's awful. I mean, have you have you ever done that? I, so yeah. I have
0: done that when I still had my other yeah. leg. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, now, of course, you know, I, I yeah, have them yeah. both know, removed. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But um, back then, oh, um, especially uh, after my surgery where, um, you know, I was still using crutches. And all of a sudden you forget that, oh, right, the other leg just got removed. Like <laughs> it's not there. And you're yeah. falling leading on the one yeah. side, and you're like, no. And you have this rush that goes over your body. You're like, what yeah. is about to happen here? Yeah, it's such a
1: weird feeling. And I never, it's happened three times. Um, I never want it to happen again because I hate that feeling. It's literally a split second, but my God, it feels like the whole world is going to slow motion, and there is nothing that you can do about it. You are going down. Yeah, going down, and it's like somebody is literally taking the floor out from underneath you.
0: Right, and it's that feeling from your gut too, and it travels yes, up yeah, and you're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> No, and the embarrassment I- as
1: well because mine has always been in front of other people, so people are watching me, and literally I go from standing to falling, and they're like, "What the hell just happened?" <laughs> well, right, but also yeah. you have to you have to have a sense of humour. I think as anybody with any disability. If you haven't got a sense of humor about it, then it makes life a lot
0: harder, you know. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's one of the lessons I've learned is like, okay, look, what, look on it from the bright side. Like, well, what, could, you know, what else could there be? It happened, yeah. so what? You yeah. know, let's let's make exactly. you know, let's let's make light of it. But let's yeah. go back to pole dancing. Yeah. So, yeah sorry. <laughs> um. Yeah. No. Uh, this is good. <laughs> um, so then, when did you start competing? Okay. So, um, I so before
1: the amputation um, I didn't really know about parapole as a as a thing so parapole is um, kind of like disabled pole championships and it's part of the International pole sport Federation runs this worldwide competition every year and it's the number of countries varies I think it's any year it's Varies from between like 27 to like 35 countries taking part, um, and there is different competitions under the umbrella of the Polesport Sport Federation, and part of it is Parapol. So it's run like uh, they uh, would in the Olympics. So there's different
0: um, uh, classifications uh, or categories. Yeah, classifications.
1: That's the word I'm looking for. So for different um, levels of disability, it could be uh, general muscle weakness, it could be uh, amputation, uh, blindness, death. There's, there's I don't know all the classifications, I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I, I kind of found out about that leading to the amputation. So I kind of decided going into the amputation that this was something that I really wanted to do. Um, so I immediately started looking into that and the process of of how it worked. Um, So my first uh, experience of competing was in the parapole uh, competition. So obviously that went well, but it's it's great having that platform, that worldwide platform to compete on. But then I kind of realized that I didn't just want to compete under the parapole umbrella so in fact last year i entered my first pole competition here in the uk which was uh a regular pole competition so i was competing against uh regular bodies yeah able bodies yeah yeah um and that's really i want to carry on competing under the parapole umbrella which i think is super important and it's amazing and i love it uh but I also want to compete against able-bodied polars. So I've actually just qualified for my next regular pole competition, which is now a professional pole competition. Um, uh, so it's nice to do both. It's really nice to do both. I don't want people to. I want to be able to keep, compete alongside anybody, and I want people to look at me and say, "Oh, he's great at what he does." Not he's great at what he does with his disability, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah. Just, I do want to be a pole competitor. You know. Right. And so, so then I guess from uh from a pair, let's, let's talk parapol for a sec. So, yeah, cause that was going to be my, my question is that, you know, is there like a pair category, like they do Olympics and Paralympics. So we, we did talk about that already, or you did talk about that already, but how about getting to that level? So did you need to just identify yourself as a, as a parapol um, competitor and then, compete or was there sort of like classification or not classification sorry was there competitions within locally first or is because the size of the community you kind of go directly into the the big competitions
1: yeah so uh to qualify for the world championships you have to have done a national level competition um the first year i did it actually the uk wasn't able to hold competition so i had to go to a country that had an open qualification so my first competition was actually in holland um they had their nationals but then anybody could go and compete there from a country that didn't have its own national competition okay sorry if this all sounds a bit complicated but it's like there's Uh, so what IPSF are trying to do is trying to get pole into the Olympics, so they have come up with this worldwide network of competitions, and there's lots of rules and regulations about about how it works, it's a bit like kind of gymnastics, it's the same kind of idea, so yeah so I went off to Holland to compete Um, you yeah, so you enter a, a national competition, or an open national competition, and then the the top point scorers qualify for the world championships. And then you're invited to go to the world championships. um, And then you go through the whole process
0: again. So that's, I I was going to say, it's very similar to setting up um, for any sport, really, that is going to the Paralympics. We have locals and then uh, national. For Canada, we have locals, nationals, sorry, locals, provincials, and then nationals, and then world. And then if there is no Worlds or national happening, you could go to an Open. So if that's yeah. happening in the US or in the Middle East or in Europe, then you can go to that national to qualify for that Open national to qualify for okay. Worlds. Yeah. And then so, you do I mean, the Worlds. Is,
1: right? How, so definitely, they're definitely trying to set it up. I mean, they're pushing to get into the Olympics. That's what they want. Um, and I mean, I really hope one day it happens. I really hope one day it happens. Um, but, you know, the rule, there's a a massive rule book (laughs) so like the rule book for the competition is like 150 pages long um there's there's lots of bonus there's well there's kind of like compulsory moves bonus moves there's technical bonuses there's lots of things that you can build into your routine to get the points up it's all about point scoring Mm -hmm. and technical angles have got to be correct um, there's minimum requirements for each move. So it's like any other sport. It's kind of like, uh, with, like, gymnastics, there's a lot of rules and regulations, and this is how we will get it in. And pole right. is now recognized as an official sport, so we're already a step closer mm-hmm. to getting into the Olympics. I really hope it happens before I'm too old <laughs> for it. Uh, we haven't got too right. long left on that. <laughs> My body is already starting to kind of, like, you know, the shoulders start to get sore i've got a degenerative hand condition as well so that's kind of like always a it's like an ongoing battle i keep having to have surgeries on my hands to kind of uh, release those so i really hope it happens in the next two olympics because then i'll be able to compete mm-hmm. and to be able to, can you imagine me i'm just saying you've competed at the olympics
0: oh my god that'd that, be that, that'll be amazing i mean i amazing. think i think for a lot of sports that i know trying to get into the olympics i think hearing just you describe the process of getting into the to the sport itself and getting to that level, the elite level, if you will. I think poll is the pole sports is pretty much there. Yeah. You know, I, yeah, I, mean, I, think... I can't speak for I for IPC, but I think the minimum is six countries being able to compete. And if you have 28 countries that have competitors already coming into those competitions, absolutely, I think it could just easily be advocated for the next, even the next one.
1: Yeah, I don't really understand what the holdup is. <laughs> Um, I'm sure there's some reason. Um, I think the sad thing about pole is there is always going to be an opinion of it being a sexual uh, performance, and Mm -hmm. that's there is definitely you know pole came out of the strip clubs, and we never forget that. Um, And but there's many different angles on pole, so. you know, pole sport, which is the thing that I compete at with the IPSF, uh, there is no sexual element in it at all. the The, the costumes are restricted. Um, the the dance element is taken out of it completely. It's all about the the moves and the way that you move in between moves. Um, there is other competition. So the the other competition that I won recently is called pole theatre. That is different against that is actually telling a story through your performance so I for that I told the story of waking up after my amputation and then going through to receiving my first prosthetic at the end so that's that's an artistic presentation Mm -hmm. again very different to pole sport but then you also have um uh oh I don't know how to I can't remember the correct word to use it used to be called exotic pole But that has now been kind of like changed. So sensual pole, which is much more kind of like about wearing heels and it's much more kind of sexy moves. And and again, that's again, that's a, a different thing completely. But people, when you as soon as you say pole, unfortunately, what most people think of is the high heels and the stripper pole. Right, So I think that's the barrier that we're fighting against.
0: Yeah, I was actually going to ask you in that context of, you know, how is poll received when you say pole dancing? And I've kind of, I think I've made those mistakes during, during the interview as well, that I've said pole dancing and pole sport. Believe me, you will not upset somebody by saying, if you're a pole
1: dancer or pole sport, or, I mean, what I tend to do now is just as an umbrella term. If I just say to people, I do pole. It's like I I don't add the second bit on. It's like if whatever words people want to use, I mean, really, it's not important. But when you're competing in pole sport, then you tend to say you're competing in pole sport. And if you're doing artistic pole or sensual pole, you kind of then talk about which which um, path you're taking with your
0: performance. Right.
1: It's an incredible way of getting strong and getting fit. It's. Absolutely incredible. I I mean, I'm a real advocate for anything that uses body weight. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love weights. Great. Mm -hmm. But I think when you're using your own body weight to create an exercise, it kind of feels more natural somehow. Mm -hmm. So I I love the fact that it's it's a body weight exercise. Right. Um, But yeah, I mean, I have a pole at home as well. Um, I never used to have a pole at home. That kind of happened during COVID when during lockdown... When the studios were closed it was either get a poll at home or don't train so yeah but, i have a pole at home i think a lot of people do now that we i teach zoom classes online as well as teaching live in the studio um COVID definitely changed
0: how we train definitely from a person with disability or from an amputee perspective core is very important core work is very important right and so yeah. if you can get folks to to you know just showing your stuff if you can get them interested in that it it, yeah. it benefits a lot especially for somebody with a limb difference
1: yeah yeah and i i mean especially for amputees it's not quite the same for congenital limb differences mm. but you need to keep those limbs strong um and i mean i the thing i worry most about is muscle wastage because then that kind of like re- means that your prosthetic doesn't fit anymore so i I have a series of exercises that I do on my stump to make sure that I maintain the muscle mass that's there. Um, I want my prosthetics to fit for as long as possible. I don't really want to be having them changed uh, all the time. So I, I definitely work hard at strengthening my my stump. But it has to be remembered. You, you can't forget about those things. You know. I mean, you <laughs> run, so you are you are using those muscles anyway.
0: Right. And Um, that's, that was going to be my point is that people get, you know, atrophied with their muscle because they're not using it anymore. You know, doing activities like that, where you can engage those, especially those, those muscles near your fascia, right? Uh, We engage those inner muscles that that hardly ever gets used on your everyday things. But remember, we had to carry prosthetics with that, you know, that has a weight that is not usual that our body's used to. Like a prosthetic weight is like what a couple more ounces than your actual leg or your actual limb that's missing, yeah, right? Yeah. So you have to you have to use a lot of muscles to, to to stand up and balance and carry yourself yeah. walking. So I think yeah. that's very yeah. helpful. Yeah. Now, do you have do you have um, adaptive or uh, para folks who takes your, take your classes even from a Zoom perspective or virtual perspective?
1: Yeah, so I uh, I do some private one on one coaching um, online. Um, with other uh, uh, para-polars. Unfortunately, the studio where I teach at in real life, we don't have any other para-polars at the moment. Mm -hmm. But I would love that. It was like, I I, I try to reach out to people to like come and give it a go. Right. Um, But, you know, that's, people have their own barriers. One day, somebody is going to walk into the studio as an, I mean, I would love it if they were an amputee, But any any disability, I would be happy to to work with, you
0: know. Right. Uh, And then what would you say, I guess, to someone um, able-bodied or uh, someone with a physical disability to who may be looking at all and say, you know, how do I get started?
1: Oh, it's really easy to
0: get started.
1: You sign up for a class and you walk into the class. (laughs) That's how easy it is to get started because you can... You can do any sport and you cannot like it, but until you try it, you don't know. And I, I don't think I've ever met somebody who has walked into a pole class and hated it. <laughs> it's like, it's exciting. It's, you, it's, it's finding the right class for you. So one of my issues and one of the classes that I run, when I started doing pole, uh, part of learning as a beginner, is that there's choreography and there's a dance element to it. Well, I didn't really want to do that. I want to do the tricks. Um, so, in fact, I now teach a class for beginners which takes the choreography out of it so you can get straight on doing the, the stronger, more powerful moves. Um, so it's finding that first class that you like. Some people will walk in and not enjoy the choreography side of it but it's about finding another way in that works for you. Mm -hmm. It's, It's all about finding something that works for you, isn't it? And it's finding the right teacher. Just because you walk into any class, is it that you don't like what you're doing or is it that you don't like the teacher? You don't like the environment? So it's about finding something that works on all levels and don't just try something once and write it off because you didn't like the atmosphere or... You know, if you enjoyed what you did physically, then it's just about finding the right people to work with.
0: Right, no, I I think that applies to everything really, even if Mm. you're, you know, into anything really, you know, it could say, oh, I want to take a cooking class. But then you have a horrible cooking class. Doesn't mean you give up on that cooking class. Maybe you'll find yeah, another exactly. cooking class that works on your t- schedule, that works on your yeah. calendar, or you yeah, like exactly. the, the instructor that is teaching the class. Because also that delivery is different, right? So, yeah, yeah. Um, and 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 I've certainly tried because of again realizing what i can do and it, again i go back to that more disabled when i before my amputation is immediately after it's like i wanted to go back to to athletics and running cuz i enjoyed that before you know what happened to me happened to me but it's after that is like well what can i do next now like what else can i try and i tried different yeah. sports and different things yeah. and i'm still discovering new things that you know I've done acro yoga with Aaron. I've done acrobatics with Aaron. Adaptive acro with Aaron, right? And and so I maybe I will try, like you know, visiting London soon. Hopefully, Uh would go <laughs> once COVID is all over. Is oh that my God! I will get. I will. I will I'm give that get a go.
1: I am going to get you. <laughs> on a pole.
0: <laughs> oh, I'd be uh, certainly, absolutely. I think I, you know, again, it's giving that a giving that a go, giving that a try, right? The very first time Aaron put me on silks and had me upside down. I'm like, oh my gosh, this is not like I'm gonna throw up. She's like, you're just thinking about it too much. You know, eventually I got kind of got used to it and it was, you yeah. know, it was yeah. a lot of fun. But again, yeah. it's just that whole place of, you know finding that kid, you know, well, Aaron teaches like two towns over from me now and and that makes it all, all difficult as well. And, and, you know, and even having said that I have background in dance, it's like my body just doesn't move that way anymore. <laughs> but just going back to um, like
1: finding the right people when when i was looking for an exercise to do before my amputation right um when i was struggling much more with my leg i remember going to a yoga studio and i was thinking well maybe yoga would work for me and uh the teacher there i kind of explained the problem and blah 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 and she was like oh you won't be able to do yoga and it was like I mean, I was actually shocked because what I was saying to her was, look, I'm willing to try. Are you willing to help me? And she was basically saying, no, she wasn't willing to help me. So it's kind of, it's definitely about finding the right people as well. I'm definitely lucky that the teachers I have have been so willing to help me work through the, my differences when I'm on the pole. Um, right so it's it is you need to find the right people definitely and especially if you've got a disability if somebody is not willing to help you to find your way of doing something go somewhere else
0: right because no, there will absolutely. be somebody who will be excited to help you, you know? right you need you need that innovation mindset right of like exactly. how, how do i exactly. adapt this this and I, to me I think as a as a teacher and educator that would be a challenge for you how do I how do I make this for Andrew so that he could do that that twist or how he could how he could do that line or how yeah. he could flip it or and now how he could hold on with and to you as well as a teacher like how do I hold knowing my body I think and that's a big part of it is knowing our body as well and trusting our bodies right it's that's like true. how do I how do I hook my my uh my knee to that so that I can I can perform the the move that I want, yeah. right? So it's so
1: true. It's so true. You need somebody who is gets excited about teaching and who genuinely wants to teach. Just because they're not teaching what they would normally do, doesn't make something right or wrong. But they're helping you to achieve something. So right. that's I mean that's the same disability or no disability, but obviously with a disability or a limb difference or whatever, we need that little extra bit of input but we shouldn't have turned away from something. I mean, that teacher saying to me that I couldn't do yoga, it was like an absolute slap in the face.
0: Well, I mean, you know, speaking of yoga, it's like, well, you're not really promoting yoga then because you're supposed to be teaching about positive energies and everything else. And you're coming into this room with negative energy. I can't be here for that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That's such a good point. So me, myself, I'd be like, okay, see ya, Bye. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Right. So it's like, mm, I don't think you're actually practicing, you know, yoga here. I think you're just doing, you know, doing poses that you don't know anything about or, yeah, or you know, totally. being totally. a transcendent movement. Un- you,
1: don't, you don't actually understand the yoga that you're teaching. Right. That's
0: exactly. Next. So that's, yeah, that's would be, that's where I'd be, I'd be like, mm, no, thanks. Um, where would you like to see the, the sport go in the next five, 10 years? Oh, I mean, I want to see the sport get into the
1: Olympics. I want to see the sport get into the Olympics. You know, it would change everybody's attitude to it worldwide if they got to see pulse sport on the world stage. Uh, it would immediately make uh, change people's attitude towards it. So that would be um, incredible. I mean, fingers crossed, let's see. Right. And obviously I would like to see uh, parapole increase more. Um, I mean, every month i am coming across new people that are taking on the sport um, and i get so excited when I come, especially when i come across a new amputee it's like it's so great but those numbers are increasing and it's like that's i would like to see that side of it increase much more as well you know it's not just for people who are physically able Mm-hmm. The word? i never know how to describe those people you
0: know those people that have got all their limbs yeah, <laughs> working yeah. Properly? Yeah. I just, how do we describe those people i think able-bodied i think able-bodied. Okay. Okay. yeah 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 that's, yeah, that's what i keep going about um <laughs> uh, so yeah that's that's
1: definitely the direction that i would like to see it going
0: right no that's that's really good and and thank you for taking the time to sit with me today um that's, that's really a pleasure. good where, where can people find you and connect with you to learn more about pole sports?
1: So my, uh, via social media, my main social media is Instagram where you can either search my name, Andrew Gregory, or, uh, my, my kind of performing name and my main Instagram handle is tattoo pole boy. Um, but you can find me on either in tattoo Pole boy or Andrew Gregory, um, I mainly work with Instagram, although I do have a presence on Facebook as well. Uh, so that's the, the best ways uh, to find me.
0: Awesome. Well, certainly looking forward to, to seeing more of those. Like I said, every time I see your photos or your videos and, and as you know, appreciative of, of dance and gymnastics and movement, having had that earlier on in my life, it's like, wow, just look at that point. <laughs> you know, oh, look you. at how that toe is pointed, thank or you know, look at how like that splits, or whatever. So it's 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 great. I I love all of those things. So it's it's great seeing your stuff online, and certainly looking forward to more. Thank you again so much for spending the time and doing this with me today. I want to thank Andrew Gregory for joining me today. I'll share the link on my website at www.airsoftdomingo.com. Thank you for tuning in. If you have any questions, comments, or show ideas, please connect with me on Facebook and Instagram at The MTO Show. Until next time, I'm your host, Aerosol Salt Domingo, and this has been The MTO Show Podcast.